0: Welcome to the Moisture Festival podcast, folks. I am Mr. Matthew Baker, and I perform a weird comedy and stunt show.
1: And I'm Louie Fox. Uh, In the festival, you know me, uh, performing hand shadow puppets, but I'm also, my day job is I'm a magician.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we are both been performing at the Moisture Festival for a number of years, and this podcast is dedicated to... To peeling back the curtain and giving you a glimpse of some of the performers, the talent, the people, the volunteers, and the board of directors that make this festival possible.
1: I think you'll be amazed at all of the work that goes into making the festival possible, too. It's not just a bunch of people showing up and doing a show. They're building a community, which you can actually help sponsor and support through donations. You can do that with your time or financially at moisturefestival.org, and you click the contribute link, and there's tons of information on how you can help keep the festival running.
0: And if this is the first time you're even hearing about the Moisture Festival, congratulations, you stumbled upon <laughs> something that's amazing. <laughs> But it is a four-week festival that celebrates variety arts in the Fremont neighborhood of Seattle. And let me tell you, folks, I've been a part of this for almost 13 years, and it is one of a kind.
1: Yeah, it's the, actually the largest festival of its kind in the world yeah. and features some of the best entertainers, comedians, hula
0: hoopers, whatever you can think of. <laughs> they have it. <laughs> they have it. <laughs> And it happens actually in the months of March and April, and they do have world-class variety acts, but they also have a week-long worth of burlesque show. Yeah, at a venue on the Capitol Hill neighborhood of Seattle. Mm -hmm. So if you're listening to this during the festival, be sure to get your tickets because 95% of the shows sell out. And you can get your tickets also by visiting the website MoistureFestival.org. So be sure to check that out for all things Moisture Festival. On today's episode, I get to take a vacation, and Louie is doing an interview on his own. We let him go free out into the world, (laughs) and he interviews Dr. Owl on location at the Evergreen State Fair.
1: Yeah, we chat about how he got his name Dr. Owl, what kind of doctor he is, and the crazy patience he has to deal with his profession we learn about him working production with giant bands and some of his dream gigs as well as how he got into performing for kids and at the moisture festival
0: yeah he's essentially done every single job there is to do at the moisture festival and louie dives into it like barbara walters man put
1: on your hip waders we're going deep (laughs) let's get to it yep Hey, This is Louie. You may notice I'm missing Matt today because I am backstage in a green room at a gig. Uh, So we're doing a solo interview today with another Moisture Festival performer. Today on the podcast, we have a performer, stagehand, AV tech, balloon artist, teacher, and grandmaster horticulture guy. Please welcome... Dr. Owl. Woo! All right. (laughs) Hey, thank you. It's great to be here. I always like to ask performers, how do you describe what it is you do? Because you do a lot of things. Yeah. Wow. Um,
2: That's that's really hard, actually, because I do a lot of things. I mean, I'm a balloon twister, uh, magician. I do a science show. I do silly walk-around stuff. I'm an MC.
1: I just call myself an entertainer. Okay, so you do a little bit of everything. Yeah. And so let's kind of get into your your name, which I think is gonna lead into your backstory. Dr. Owl. So the doctor's a legitimate doctor. Yes, I'm a doctor. However, I'm not a people doctor, so don't
2: get hurt. (laughs) I cannot help you. I'm a plant doctor. I do sap, not blood. And actually have a Ph.D. in horticulture from Washington State University.
1: Okay. Uh, so for people like me who went to community college, what is horticulture?
2: Okay. So there's a bunch of different facets when it comes to plant science. And horticulture specifically is growing plants. Okay. As opposed to, say, botany, which is way more science-based. Botanists will um, grind up plants and look at the enzymes or... Uh, knock a gene out of a plant and grow the one without the gene and one with the gene and then grind them up and see what the difference is. Okay. But they would give them to a horticulturist to grow.
1: Okay. So you, you do the actual, uh, I guess, growing. The growing, yeah.
2: <laughs> and now I want to also make a, a note. So agriculture is really large scale tractors, thousands of acres of wheat. That would be uh, agriculture. Okay. Traditionally, there were crops called horticultural crops, and those were smaller things, raspberries, apples, stuff like that. But now we have these giant factory farms, and even things like apples and, and raspberries and stuff could more be considered agriculture because they are really done with large machines.
1: Okay. They even have raspberry harvesters. Okay. Very cool. So what's the strangest horticulture plant you've worked on, you've grown? Um, Well,
2: at home I have around just under 100 different kinds of houseplants. Okay. And I would say the sensitive plant, Mimosa pudica, is one of the coolest and strangest.
1: Okay, Okay. describe this to me.
2: So it's a little bit fern-like, it has real delicate leaves, but when you touch it, they fold up. Oh, wow. That's so, why it's a sensitive plant. It okay. actually responds to
1: touch. Okay. And do they unfold at some point?
2: Yeah. Yeah, so um, it's not like a Venus flytrap where it'll close up and eat and, and close the fly and, and never open again. Um, it's almost like leaves have little fingers, and when you touch them, they kind of fold up and then bend down. And after about five, ten minutes, they open back up again.
1: Okay, and so like, unlike a Venus flytrap, it can do it more than once yeah. or a couple times.
2: Oh, over and over, pretty okay. much infinity now why
1: would a plant need to do this
2: so the idea is that if a predator comes along uh a bug let's say maybe a grasshopper Mm -hmm. lands on it tries to take a bite suddenly it's folding up and moving and then the bugs like oh what is this and you know we'll jump off and okay so it's a defense mechanism basically and how did you
1: get into horticulture
2: (laughs) okay well so when i was in high school i was really into photography and music i started playing in a band which a only we'll discuss if you really want me to because it's not my favorite thing it was a long time ago um but i'm pretty sure it's on my list <laughs> okay it, there are three letters in it yes there are <laughs> well you did some research <laughs> didn't you so yeah I, play, I was playing in a band and i was taking pictures and then i went actually to shoreline community college mm-hmm. and i took all the photography and all the classical music theory and all these other classes and then so when i when i was 12 I actually thought i wanted to be a zoologist and then i discovered high school and wow i suddenly went away from science and went towards art well after taking a couple years at shoreline um in all the art classes i suddenly took a biology class an animal behavior class because i still thought about animals and i went science is amazing and so i actually spent five years at shoreline community college Never got an AA, because I didn't take English 102, but I took every science class I could get my hands on. Okay, And um, after about, uh, in my fifth year, I took a botany class and a horticulture class, and I went, whoa, plants are cool, this is amazing. And my idea was that if the band didn't make it, I'd fall back on photography. Okay, and then I realized I don't want to be a starving artist. I think scientists would be cool, no one told me scientists starve as well. (laughs) Um, I can't remember who said it. Einstein, science is a wonderful thing if you don't have to make a living at it. Mm -hmm. So um, I discovered plants. I decided I wanted to go to a real college and get a real degree and I said to myself, there's probably less different kind of plants to learn than different kinds of animals in the world. I was wrong. But still, I went into horticulture, and um, I just, I loved it. I love plants. I I find um, it's something I don't get bored of. Like I said, I have a house full of plants, and then I also have a yard full of plants as well.
1: Very. I just love plants. Now, they've taken you places, though. Like, you mentioned you wanted to be a zoologist as Mm -hmm. a kid. Has horticulture taken you to the zoo?
2: Oh, so Woodland Park Zoo in Seattle, um, a, a bunch of years ago, they decided to do this rather immersion Mm -hmm. theory. And so instead of having like the nice tidy rows of plants and the animals in cages, they did that sort of big open thing. And what they've tried to do is put plants around the animals that look like the plants from where the animals are from. Okay. Now, because Seattle's climate is Seattle's climate, you can't have the actual plants. But they've done a really good job getting ones that are either close or replicate the look of the native plants. Okay. And actually... I was in 1990, uh, 1996 or 97, I can't remember now. I was actually the first ever horticultural intern at the Woodland Park Zoo. Oh, wow. So so you were an intern for the zoo. So, yeah, they have intern programs. Uh And one of my classes required us to do an internship. And I called the zoo and I said, you know, your plants are amazing. Can I do an internship? And they said, well we only have money budgeted to do animal internships. And I said, I don't care, I wanna work there. And they said, well, as long as you're willing to work for free, and I said, I'll do it. (laughs) And so I actually did an internship there, and
1: I was the first, and I hear now they have a program. Very cool, oh, you're a trailblazer for that. That's awesome. It's sort of one of those lead with your heart and everything else kind of figures Yeah, totally, because
2: I I just wanted to to work at the zoo. I've been Mm -hmm. going there since I was a little kid. My dad took me all the time, and, and, the plants are so amazing, and the
1: people are wonderful. And so, do you ever get a chance to take like some cool photos at the zoo? Because you mentioned you were kind of think of going into photography. So, as long as you're at the zoo in places the average person can't get to, where you like trying to double dip.
2: Um, not so much. I mean, I, I tend to carry a camera on me, um, but the the stuff from the front is usually the best. I mean, behind the scenes, there isn't that much that's exciting, honestly.
1: It's like it's like on the Disney River Cruise where it's like the backside of water.
2: <laughs> like exactly. Yeah. Well, it's you know if if you go to the back of one of the exhibits, it's just there's a mop in the corner, you know, and it's the 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 backstage. That it's really it's like being backstage. It's really not that exciting. The excitement is what's happening out front. Okay. So I
1: should give you some context right now. We're in a dressing room <laughs> that is probably fifteen by fifteen. It's echoey in here. There's no lights and there's one outlet (laughs) and and there's a one man band out. (laughs) So now, all right. So that, that's kind of like your college, but you'd also do like event production stuff. You do AV and, uh, how did you get into that? So I've
2: actually been into um, performing most of my life, but I've also been into being like a stagehand. I've helped out with various stuff and, um, One day, I needed some extra money, and I saw in the paper an ad for a stagehand, and I went, you can get paid to do that? No way! And it was for this company, I won't mention because they're not the best company, but (laughs) while working one day, someone came up to me and said, have you heard about the union? And I said, no, tell me about this union. And so uh, Local 15, IOTC Local 15 is the stage union in Seattle. Okay. And um, I started working for them, and it is so much fun. I, everything I do is in, in entertainment, either I'm performing or I'm supporting others. Mm-hmm. Um, I now get to run Spotlight for a lot of gigs. I'm actually, I just ran Spotlight at uh, um, T-Mobile Field for the big Motley Crue Def Leppard show. Oh, nice. That was really cool. I got to run Spotlight at the winery for, um, for the Goo Goo Dolls. And um, what was her name? Bonnie Raitt. Oh, Bonnie Raitt. Bonnie Raitt. Yeah, okay. oh, I did actually. Um, you did. I think you just saw, I saw you did climate pledge, climate pledge. I did run spotlight for the machine gun Kelly Averill Levine show. Okay, and, uh, I'm actually running spotlight for the Wwe thing here, uh, on Friday, nice. So that's, nice. But I also do load-ins and setup up and tear-down, and then AV, which is like I go to the convention center, and a lot of times I'll op-rooms sit there. And, you know, if you go to a convention, there's some guy behind a table at the mixer, Yeah, you know, that'd be me.
1: Okay, so it's more the A than the V?
2: Well, no, because there's the video as well. Okay. So a lot of times a presenter will have a PowerPoint up on the screen, and and I'm there to make sure if anything goes wrong that I can fix it.
1: Okay, And besides going, you loaded your slides in wrong, dude.
2: Yeah, well usually it's PowerPoint. <laughs> but there are, there are issues, um, sometimes things don't come up, and a lot of times we have these, what are called short throw front projectors in mm-hmm. front of the screen, and they put them on the floor. And so every time between sessions, people kick the projector, and so I have to realign the projector between ah. almost
1: every session ah. <laughs> that's that's your favorite part of the job
2: yeah sure
1: now, <laughs> so what do you have like a dream event to work where you're like it's something i've always wanted to see that's a really but would good like question part of. that is a really good question um i
2: you know i don't know i've I got to do the show call for Kiss and Def Leppard at White River years ago, and I actually got to put, I was the only one that knew how to handle dry ice, because in the band we used a lot of it, and so I got to put dry ice in Kiss's fog machines five times during their set, (laughs) and so I would go out on stage with this bucket of ice, and I was in front of the video wall, and they had the machines, and then the drum kit, and so I would have to stand up to pour the ice in the top, and I was like... I want to say 10 feet behind the drummer nice and you know i wasn't really visible but i was on stage with kiss
1: (laughs) yeah but add that to your credits (laughs) that was
2: pretty cool and i so i collect backstage passes too i got one for that um i just uh did the alice cooper show at mccall hall Mm -hmm. a couple months ago i got a backstage pass for that that was really cool
1: that's awesome. And now I got a backstage pass for the Deaf Leopard and Motley Crue show. <laughs> and then you have a backstage pass for the Evergreen State Fair. <laughs> yeah, this is really cool. I love being here. So, all right, let's kind of jump to you as a performer. Because you do, I mean, you do balloons, which I think of more of, of like a craft. I mean, I don't want to belittle balloons. No, no, yeah. But it's, it's not, I don't think it's a performance art, usually. Sometimes it is. But... No,
2: I'd have to agree with that. Um, it. You know, the, the kids like watching me, and, mm-hmm. and so there's that aspect. But, it, yeah, it isn't really a performance thing. It is really more of a craft.
1: Yeah, and I think there's still going to be art behind the craft, but I think it's more of a, I made you something.
2: Yes, totally. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I uh, i don't make, I can make really complex things, but I tend to do simple, fast nice-looking single-balloon animals, and my thing is I can do animals, I can make them in 15 to 20 seconds. Yeah. So I can work a line really fast. Yeah.
1: yeah, so in the biz we call that line work versus making, like, a giant sculpture or spending half an hour making a kid an exact replica of the kid.
2: <laughs> exactly, yeah. The balloon weaving, like, where you make some, like, a big dress or something, I don't like doing that because if you pop a section and you got to go back in, and, you know, I, I don't want to spend an hour making one thing.
1: Yeah. Yes. There's some incredible stuff people do with that, but I also look at it and you know, go, "That's that would be for me." That's
2: totally. I'm into the. Well, the thing is, is you know, if you do something like that, it's really like for a show or something. Mm-hmm. And for me, um, I create smiles. There That's what I do. I make kids smile, and and there wouldn't be that if I was in a room for an hour making a life-size Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yeah. Then I'd have to stand there and watch everyone come up and be like, "Hey, I made that," you know, and i prefer when i hand a kid a balloon and they just light up with this giant
1: smile that's cool that yes that's that's the moment that's the 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 high you're chasing yeah totally (laughs) so how'd you get into
2: balloons (laughs) actually so what happened was um this was back when minimum wage was around seven dollars and i needed a job and i started looking through the want ads and i looked and this was before the internet So I had a bunch of papers and stuff and I looked through, I spent like an hour going through one ads and I passed this ad that said balloon entertainer and what was it? It was guaranteed minimum $10 an hour. Boom. And Well, at that point I had really bad stage fright, so I just kept going. I'm like, no, that's not for me. And after searching through everything and not finding anything more than 750, I said to myself, you know, I can call them. It doesn't mean I have to take the job. Mm -hmm. So I call, and it was this company called Balloon Wizards that actually doesn't even exist anymore. Mm -hmm. And I talked to this guy. He was really nice. And he said, you know, why don't you just meet with us? You don't have to take the job. Why don't you just meet with us and see what you think? And I met with them, and there were these two guys that owned the company, and they were really nice and friendly and really reassuring. And they said, look, we'll train you. You can try it. If you don't like it, you can quit. And I did, and I went and we had some training sessions, and I learned about 20 different animals and then they put me to work in restaurants, and their deal was that you work for tips, but they guaranteed $10 an hour. Okay. So if I didn't make 10 in tips, they would reimburse me up to $10 an hour. Okay. And uh, I'd say I usually average around 20. Nice, like, nice. And that so, was
1: when minimum wage was half of what it is now. Yeah, right. I mean, literally half, was, so. Was Balloon Wizard, was that Marvin Hardy? No. Or is it Dennis? Yes.
2: Uh, no, no, no. Okay, so um, it was Michael and what's the other guy's name? Rich. Michael and Rich. Now, Dennis bought the company off of them and changed the name to GiggleWorks, which, ironically, we formed a clown troupe and we came up with the name GiggleWorks. But he grabbed that, <laughs> copyrighted it, named the company GiggleWorks, and then he sold that to Scott and Chris. And Uh, then
1: left town. Sally and Spazzo. Wasn't that Scott and Chris? Yes! Yes! You're right. (laughs) Remarkable balloon. You just got the Pacific Northwest balloon lineage. I'm
2: I'm impressed. Yeah, I mean, you know it as well as I do. That's amazing.
1: (laughs) Yes. I I don't do balloons, but I know a lot of the, the people. And I know there's a lot of history with how... Those companies changed.
2: Yeah, up. and actually the one that's still around is Entco. Yep. Terry. I've been working with him since the early 90s. Oh, wow. And I just did a gig for him last week. Nice. He actually he hired me to be a bingo caller. Oh,
1: which very. Which was wild. So when you do things like that, there are, I guess you do some MC work, and bingo mm-hmm. is essentially mm-hmm. MC work. Yeah, yeah. How'd it go? I mean, have you done bingo before? No, that was the first time. Okay, so did you throw out the B9, the cancer is B9? Oh, no,
2: no, well, <laughs> I didn't have all the great things. And plus, I took a little too long for the first couple games because I had too much fun and people were like, come on, we got a lot of prizes. So then I had to just go through yeah. a little faster.
1: People are, with their bingo, they're, uh, unless they know it's like a bingo show, they're really into their bingo.
2: I had no idea. Yeah. I was blown away. They loved it. Everyone told me I did a good job, so that's reassuring. Yeah. There's, just get to the numbers quicker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Balloon boy. The last few games were like, B3, okay, and the next one is, you know, F42. Well, there's no F,
1: but you know what I mean. Yeah. I just went. <laughs> yeah. Just freaking Crank, through that. So, okay, as a performer, you also do, so you do balloons. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do a medicine show. So the
2: name of my show is Dr. Owl's Medicine Show. Okay. And I've actually kind of modeled it after a Moisture Fest type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, basically variety with a whole bunch of different people, myself, my wife, Heather, um, and then uh, anyone else I can get to do every different kind of thing. Okay, So that's my idea was the last one I did, um, we had, uh, I did, there was contortion and aerial, I had a musician, I had magic and science and singing and comedy and i even got uh jason serenus to come whistle nice yeah it was great so it was it's like a smaller scale
1: variety show
2: yeah i mean it was two hours with okay. about a 20 minute break nice nice so and then you host that or are you- yes so i was the mc as well as performing okay which um i also tried to be front of house which was a big mistake <laughs> Turns out that you really need to hire people to do all those different things. Mm-hmm. MC and performing is where I need to stop it at because I try to do all this other stuff and my performance suffered a little. Mm-hmm. Like I, I forgot to take my watch off. Okay. I didn't want to wear my watch during the performance and I watched the video and I'm like,
1: ah, my watch is on. <laughs> little things like that. And then you got to run out in the middle of your set to go take a ticket from someone who's late. No,
2: I had someone at the door, <laughs> okay. but I tried to organize. Yeah because I had yeah I got everybody I had all these people I got a bunch of my union guys to to do all the like lights and sound and all that and and I want to make sure I mention I pay everybody <laughs> I never asked my friends to volunteer. Mm-hmm. Everybody, all my crew, all my performers, everybody got paid. I actually took a loss on the show because it was the day after Thanksgiving and I only had about 50 people. Okay. But I still paid everybody and yeah. that's where my loss came
1: from. Well, and I think that's a, that comes from being a performer is you get how that goes.
2: Yeah. Well, and also, you know, these people are professionals like myself and I get people say, hey, will you come to my party and make balloons? I'll give you some pizza, and I'm like, yeah, you know, this is what I do for a living. Do you ask your dentist friend to come and do free fillings at your kid's party?
1: I will say my brother used to date an attorney, and I would ask her for for, for
2: advice all the time. Yeah, but you probably didn't say, come to my party and give legal advice to everybody there.
1: No, no. I mean, <laughs> the circles I run in, it would be very much appreciated. <laughs> All right, so you mentioned your wife, Heather, Mm -hmm. um, and she's in The Medicine Show. What does she do? So she is a classically trained
2: opera singer with a master's in music from Glasgow University. Oh, wow. And so she sings opera, and we have some combined routines. Mm -hmm. So she, um, she always sang alone, and so she loves... Having me do stuff and I'm always alone. It's great to have another person, and so we've worked up a couple of routines. There's one on my uh, YouTube channel, Dr. Owl's Medicine Show, which is the Phantom Magic, where she sings a Phantom of the Opera and I do
1: magic tricks around her. Oh, nice. We we wrote that. Uh, after. Like what? Like what? Like what kind of tricks do you around? Like was it Phantom of the Opera themed or just other tricks? Sort of. Um,
2: I based it all on a red silk, basically. So I. St- I start with a small one, and the tricks use bigger and bigger ones all the way through. And, like, I make some things appear and did a quick change at the end. Hard to really explain, but you can see it. Okay. Go to the YouTube yeah. channel. Um, you can, yeah. If you Google Dr. Owl's Medicine Show, there is only
1: one. Okay. Very cool. Then you also do a science show.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um I cobbled together a bunch of various things, and so I have kind of a sciencey show that's kind of
1: based on air and electricity. Okay. So, like, what kind of demonstrations do you do in it?
2: Oh, like, you know, I... your kid
1: put these keys in the outlet. <laughs>
2: no, that's only the ones that don't clap.
1: <laughs>
2: the hecklers. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I like I'll float a ping pong ball on a hairdryer and discuss Bernoulli's principle. OK. Um, and then I have uh, a Tesla coil. Mm-hmm. And I went and I got a bunch of these tubes that have all kinds of crazy gases in them. And if I'm at a place we can dim the lights, and I can zap the tubes and they light up different colors.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So, but how many de- demonstrations do you do in the, in the show?
2: So I want to say about 10 maybe for the science show. Okay. Because I have like, um, first I'll get out a vacuum pump and I have a two liter bottle and I explain air pressure and <laughs> I'll suck the air out and then I have Magdeburg hemispheres, the kids try to pull apart and mm-hmm.
1: so it's very hands-on but but this yes is, but this is a show it's a stage show
2: definitely yeah a big one mm-hmm. it needs space i have okay. discovered like i was telling you before i when i do first i float uh the ping pong ball in the hair dryer and i have this little joke where i'm like all right you want to see bigger and i get this ball and it won't float on the hair dryer because mm-hmm. the hair dryer doesn't have enough lift you know yeah. so then i get out a leaf blower ah. and i float the ball in the leaf blower and whatever's on the beams over me tends to come down. <laughs> so, I did it here last year. Um, all these little black flecks came raining down. I, mean, I had to clean everything when I got home. <laughs> I did it in a library one time and it snowed dust because they'd never cleaned the beams over me.
1: <laughs> you made it snow. And the kids yeah, are yeah. like, that was an amazing science trick. The, I want to do that at home. That's the
2: funny thing is the kids love it
1: no matter what.
2: They thought it was hilarious the dust was raining down.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm sure the librarian was mortified.
2: Yeah, they weren't the happiest. <laughs> I actually, so I have a little handheld confetti cannon uh-huh. that I put streamers and confetti in, and I stopped doing that. was my final thing because it was air pressure, and I'd yeah. shoot that off at the end, and I stopped doing mm-hmm. that because the librarians did not like sweeping up the confetti. Oh, <laughs>
1: So I don't do that at the end of my show anymore. Yeah, I guess they're like, that's I, I got. I went to library school, <laughs> not, <laughs> right. not, not not your stagehand school. <laughs> actually, I fired that thing off at
2: Moisture Festival one time, and the streamers hung on the lights, and Alan shooting the video was really upset because <laughs> they couldn't get the streamers down. <laughs>
1: So I tend not to do that very often. Yeah, okay. so do you like doing shows? Yeah, I mean, because you have, like, the medicine show, a science show, like, on a theme, or just like... So, well, the, the medicine show is really... It's, know, a know, it's a variety show. It's a variety show, because, you know,
2: laughter is the best medicine, yeah. which is why I call it that, okay. Dr.
1: Owl. Because I think I also saw you do a pirate show. Um, mm-hmm. So the deal with
2: that was... I actually met my wife, because both of us would go to these pirate events with this troupe, and it was actually a burlesque troupe. And I would do. I would open. Yeah, it was a burlesque pirate troupe. Yes. Okay. So at the pirate shows, there was a burlesque troupe that would perform, and they would have me open their set with a magic trick. Okay. And then um, Heather would come and sing. She didn't do burlesque, but she would sing. And so so here's the ironic thing. Um, most of the time, the idea is if you want to meet somebody mm-hmm. who has similar interests, you go do something you like and you meet someone who's there doing what they like and you both like the same thing. Yep. Well, Heather and I like to perform, but we weren't so much into the festivals. Ah. And what's funny is we met through this troupe as performers and not because we like the event, but because we like performance.
1: <laughs> okay. And have you done other... I mean, so you're not necessarily into the the pirate festivals, you see? Yeah, we went
2: for a few years. Okay. And it's kind of fun. It's it's fun to go and dress up like a pirate and sleep mm-hmm. in a tent for the weekend kind Did of Did you have a
1: pirate character named?
2: Uh, no, just Dr. Owl. Okay. <laughs> was my pirate mentor said, oh, be Dr. Owl. The girls will love it.
1: Doctor! <laughs> Yeah. Okay. And But did you ever do a pirate show? I think I had read that you did well, a pirate show. so
2: that's when we first started our show. And before... So in at the pirate festivals, camps are called ships. Okay. And some of them actually build these big wooden ships. And wow. they're amazing. Others are just smaller. It's like a nautical burning cannons. man. Yeah, yeah. really. Um, and so a camp is a ship. And so because the ship that we were with only wanted to do one show a weekend, and we're like, we want to perform more. I formed my own ship called the Ominous Perplexity. (laughs) And so then we did our own shows, and it was the, we called it the Ominous Perplexity's Variety by the Sea. And it wasn't really pirate themed, other that we were dressed as pirates. Mm -hmm. It was the same old, you know, I did magic and balloons, and she (laughs) sung, and that kind of stuff. So I I wouldn't really say it's a pirate show. All right. Exactly. But then um, we decided that we really needed to diversify. And that's when I came up with the Dr. Owl's Medicine Show, because that seemed more encompassing.
1: Yes. So more what? Now, do you you enjoy producing shows? I do. It's a lot of fun. All right. What are the challenges you have? Because it's something I dislike doing. It's too much well, stress for me. Okay,
2: so let me just, a little caveat on that. The main reason is because I wanted to do a show, and it's really hard to get into other people's shows and do what you want. And so by putting on my own shows, I got to do what I wanted. Okay. I actually built a little theater that was about 25 feet by, by 10 feet out of PVC pipe and sheets, kind of a pipe and drape thing mm-hmm. to, to do our shows out of. And that way we could do as many shows as we wanted. We could have who we wanted in our shows. We could do whatever we wanted. Uh-huh. Uh, because, you know, like at one point we were going to do a burlesque performance and this thing canceled and this, all these families with kids were suddenly standing there. And we're like, we have this audience. And I said, okay, we're not doing burlesque. There's kids here. Um, I've got magic tricks in the tent. And so we, on the spot, came up with a kids show. And that's kind of how that we moved away from like the burlesque thing, which is real compartmentalized to this broad family friendly entertainment with the Dr. All's medicine show.
1: That's, that's smart. Now you prefer family friendly. I
2: do. Yes. Uh Um, I will tell you, I didn't choose to be a children's entertainer. It chose me.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: I don't know. It just sort of gravitated that direction. And I find that I'm really good with kids. I've been a teacher. I actually worked in childcare. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know why, but I'm really good with kids, and I find that they are so much fun. Yes. I mean, like when I worked at the childcare place, I got to play with kids all day, mm-hmm. and I would make balloon Friday. I would make balloon animals for my kids on Friday, and we just play with balloons all day. See, that's great. Now, I, so how did you end up working in childcare? <laughs> well, okay, so um, I'd been a gardener. Because of the horticulture degree mm-hmm. and um, I'm really not a huge fan of being out in the hot sun <laughs> and I was working this job actually as a groundskeeper I was a solo groundskeeper on a 56 acre campus place okay and I had worked through the summer and asked oh I can't do this working in the hot sun and then it was about October and I looked up at the sky and I said I'm not working out under you for another winter because I had been a gardener over a winter and it was mostly raking leaves and stuff like that. We didn't stop working unless it went below 45 degrees. Okay. And so in Seattle, you work in the sun, you work in the rain. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I just, I was so done and I was looking for another job. And at the time, the only thing I found was this child childcare job. And that was one of the easiest jobs for me to get actually. I went and I interviewed and, um uh, she said, the lady who's interviewing me says, okay, let's go, let's go see how you're with kids. And so they put me at a table with a bunch of three-year-olds and her and the teacher disappeared. Mm-hmm. And so I just did my making friends with the kids routine. Yeah. And she walked back over and she went, wow, okay. And we went upstairs and she goes, you know, you're totally unqualified to do this, but we can teach you. However, you're highly educated and you make balloon animals. Would you like the job?
1: And P.S. What's wrong with my tree?
2: <laughs> you're right. <laughs> It's like the first job I've ever actually got in the interview.
1: Mm-hmm. Nice. That's
2: great. Yeah, it was amazing. And how long did you do that? I did it for nine months. Okay. Um, and the reason why I actually stopped was because the management was insane. Mm. I loved working with the kids. Um, a lot of people complain about the parents, but I'm really good with parents. I'm good at talking. I'm good. I'm intelligent. So it's when they ask me questions, I can answer them. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't have a lot of trouble with that. But the manager at the station and her assistant were unworkable okay they just they were miserable to work for they did like they would come to my class and i was in with the two-year-olds i had 15 two-year-olds and myself and one other co-teacher and they would do things like open the door hand a new toy and close the door you cannot give one new toy in a room with 15 kids
1: yeah because i think they're more managers than people who remember what it's like to be in the room
2: so that that's the thing you what you have to do is have multiples mm-hmm. or you have to sneak it in when they're not looking because if you if you walk into a room full of kids and you have one kid something cool and we'd be like all right here's what we're gonna do this is what in this situation is if everybody gets two minutes with it mm-hmm. and i was watching and i'm like two minutes to play and then we gotta and the other kids would be like this hovering waiting for their turn yeah and you know things like i I was in this room, the room, and I had this one kid who was really hard to get down for a nap. And that's actually why they put me in the two year old room. I subbed in that room one day and I got Timmy to go to bed for his nap. And I walked in the station the next day and everyone was like, So I heard you got Timmy to bed, your first try. Like, yeah. And so they put me in the two year old room. But I would get all the kids to bed for a nap and they, like, the assistant would walk in and go, Okay, I need to discuss this with him. Like, I just got Timmy to sleep. You gotta be quiet. Yeah. Just things like that were just, I couldn't deal. Yeah. And so, and I, plus, I'll be straight up honest with you. I will never take another job that includes changing diapers. (laughs) Nine months changing that many diapers and I'm done with child care. Yeah, yeah. My son's grown. I don't have any indoor pets. (laughs) Plants don't poop. (laughs) Nope. Nope, they don't. I will never, ever clean
1: up poop for a living again. I mean, but speaking of cleaning up poop, you've done every job (laughs) at the Moisture Festival. I have. I wrote a list so I wouldn't forget. All right. So, so
2: what jobs have you done? Okay. At so, the when I started, I did security, and I did the food. We used to be called food babes. Yeah, food um, folks. Food folks. Now, I've done the door folks. Mm-hmm. I did a parking thing. Uh, at one of the other okay. venues where
1: I actually helped park cars. Okay, like you, like you were like, like with the, was, with the Marshall sticks, or like like a valet.
2: Like no, I mean like with the sticks, actually okay. pointing where the parking places were to tell people to park. I did a really weird shift outside Hales once that Matt called traffic where I held a sign and directed the cars around and where the people to go. Ah. I did a bartending shift a couple times because I had a class 12 permit for a while. Um, I Let's see. I'll look at my list so I don't forget. I was I started as a stage hand. I eventually was able to become the assistant stage manager, and then I did stage manager gigs. Mm-hmm. I ran follow spot. Um, I also have run the light board for shows. That's one of my favorite things to do. Um, and I've also done artist check-in, and I did a really weird greeter shift once. And What's then, a greeter shift? So that's where, I, they, they had a name for it, I can't remember the actual name. It's where you perform out front.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, I don't remember what it is, but yeah, you're essentially you know like I mean? street performing, but for people in line.
2: Yeah, exactly. And so I just called it greeter, because I can't remember exactly what they did. They, they have a name for it, but I don't remember the name. Where I made balloon animals like out front. Like line
1: entertainment, or... Something like that.
2: Yeah. And then um, I've also, I've performed on the stage alone and with my wife and appeared in other people. Tom Nani's had me do the bubble routine with him a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, I have also done the pitch mm-hmm. and I've been an MC. So you've done everything. Uh,
1: pretty close. What, what haven't you done? I guess like a producer.
2: No, I've definitely not been a producer. Um, <laughs> what else <laughs> is there? I, I, um, Accountant? I'm, well, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, none of the behind-the-scenes thing, I honestly can't, I, I've done, I haven't done volunteer
1: check-in. Okay. So I've, I've done the performer check-in backstage. All right. Is that on your 2023 bucket list? Sure. <laughs> volunteer check-in. Uh, how, which is your favorite job to do, aside oh, run, from running
2: performer? Running light board. Okay. Definitely, I love running lights for the show. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's really intense because it isn't like a program show where you go ahead of time and you load in all the cues and you just advance the cues. Um, to run lights there, they call it busking, mm-hmm. which is, in my opinion, standing on a street corner entertaining, <laughs> but that's what they call that yeah. when you run a light board live. And basically, you meet the acts an hour or so before they go on. You kind of decide what they want, write it all down, and it's all live. Mm-hmm. and you have to be really attentive because like oh someone's going up the stairs turn up the stair light oh they want the audience light turn that up oh oh they changed it up on me okay switch a different color so it,
1: it's much more involved like like um not involved it's much more well involved yeah involved but you you're, you're inter- interacting you're I guess you're more involved every second of the show versus, like, say, Spotlight, where you may, there may be three acts where you're not needed.
2: Yeah, definitely. Not everyone wants Spot. Yeah. But I have to say, um, Spotlight, while it's pretty easy to do, also you, you can't watch the show because if you stop, so you're focused on your person. And if you start watching the act and kind of go, whoa, that's really cool, next thing you know, they step out of the spotlight. <laughs> so you really have to focus. Mm-hmm. Lightboard is not as much intensity second by second, but every act needs lights. Yep. There's always the MC lights that are different from the regular lights. And then sometimes somebody maybe will do Shadow Puppets and want a blackout, <laughs> let's say. <laughs> Who does
1: that? Right? So there's you know, there's a lot to do. So all right. So then as a performer, what is your favorite act to do at the Moisture Festival? Wow. Man,
2: that is that's a really hard question. I, I really, I just love performing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think doing like magic tricks on stage might be the best. Mm-hmm. Um, being an MC was a, a lot of fun. When I was the MC, I got to do a few tricks. I did a, a balloon animal with my eyes closed, and I, you know, I did a few magic tricks, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah. So I think for me, just being on a stage, Okay, it's like, so my wife, um, she did a lot of singing where she was adjudicated. So she's been on stages, really small audiences for her. The bigger the audience, the more she enjoys the performance. Mm -hmm. For me, it's being on a stage because I do a lot of magic shows in living rooms for birthday parties. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've had, I did a mad science show back when I worked for that company years ago for five hundred kids in an auditorium but um yeah so i've I've had huge audiences, and for me, the biggest thrill is just being on a stage. I don't care if there's five people in the audience. I just love being on a stage, yeah, because I just don't get to do that much,
1: yes, and it's i mean there is obviously there's a huge difference in energy exchange from a place like the moisture festival versus like uh. Picnic or whatever. The, the energy change is very different. What, like, totally. Like, what do you think makes the Moisture Festival unique? Like, what, why is it so successful and been going on for so long?
2: Um, I would say because they bring together such amazing performers from all over. Okay. And I think that's huge. That's actually what drew me in. I had a friend tell me to, that I should check it out. Um, after I was divorced, I had a lot of free time. And he said, you need to come check this out. And I did. And I just went, oh, man this is the coolest thing ever. I want to be at every single show. And the way to do that when you're a poor person that I was at the time (laughs) is to volunteer and get in for free. And so that's actually why I like lights best. I really love being a stage manager or even an ASM, but you don't get to really watch the action backstage. Mm. A lot of people love being backstage because they think it's this magical place and they want to talk to the performers and all that. And because I've performed all my life and I'm a stagehand, I'm backstage all the time. And it, that has worn off for me a little bit. It's not as magical because it's just my second home, kind of. Mm. And so for me, being backstage isn't as exciting as, like, actually getting to see the other performers,
1: well, and that's one of the things, because like, I've never done any like, the job, front of house jobs, it's a black, like, the energy backstage is great, but the energy on stage is a whole different gig. <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: Well, and one of my favorite things to do was helping Tom Naughty with his souvenir bubble gig. Mm-hmm. That whole that thing, you know, he had other people do it, and then people couldn't be there, and he asked me if I'd do it, and I've done it two or three times, and it's just so much fun. Also, because I'm on stage alone most of the time. And I really love other people to bounce stuff off. Mm -hmm. Um, I had really bad stage fright most of my life. You you mentioned that earlier. How did you get over it? (laughs) Well, at Shoreline, in one year, I took three quarters of acting, joined the choir, took singing lessons, took a speech and debate class, took a theater speech class, and um, was in a musical. So immersion. And what I discovered is stage fright never really leaves. You just learn how to ignore it. Mm -hmm. But I still get that rush of adrenaline. And what it does is it tends to wipe out my mind. I cannot remember jokes. Mm. Um, And so I actually improv most of my act. And because of that, it's great to have another performer because I'm really good at improv. And I love having someone to bounce stuff off. You mentioned Dennis Yeah. in the old days for balloon wizards, when he was, uh, before he owned the company, um, we would do the, it was the Ikea that only happens twice a year sale mm-hmm. and they'd hire a bunch of us. And so we'd all walk around doing our thing. And every time i bump in Dennis, he and I would play off of each other. We had hand squeakers. We would pay catch the invisible mouse, you know, and just fun stuff like that. Yeah. You still have that,
1: that sense of play. That, that exists through all of it.
2: Oh yeah, I never grew up, <laughs> and I don't plan. I may be an adult, but I'm definitely not a grown up.
1: <laughs> Sorry. Right, so we are almost out of time. I want to get back to something we started at the beginning. And you mentioned you were in a band, and yeah, uh, so uh, I saw it was called uh, R.I.P. Revolution, yes. uh, Intending Peace. Yes. So, but it looked like a, like a heavy metal band. So
2: that started in high school, and I was in high school in the late 80s when heavy metal hadn't been supplanted by spandex and then grunge. Okay. And uh, so we started this kind of flashy, loud band, and we actually were face paint, and the lead singer and I were magicians, so we incorporated every kind of magic trick we could into our routines. Mm-hmm. Um, and so each song had all this stuff, and I had, like, I had a flash paper launcher on the back of my guitar. Yep. I had like, two eight by 10 sheets of flash paper. So at the end of the song about nuclear war, I'd set off this giant
1: fireball. And... So obviously you mentioned you had a song about nuclear war. So this, this it was music with a message. Well, yeah, that what happened? Social...
2: So he, my lead singer was into death metal. And so he would come up with just horrible, disgusting lyrics. And so a lot of the early songs are pretty awful. <laughs> and then um, he started looking, honestly, for more horrible things to write songs about. And he, about, and he discovered Ecoside. And so we started writing songs that were sort of eco based and we went, we started listening to our songs and said, wow, something needs to be done. And so we became Enviro Metal. <laughs> okay. Do you still play with them? Or? Now, well, so we played from about 87 to 95 till I went away to WSU and we lost a couple members at that time. And then um, we actually reformed in 2013 and played a few shows and played... For another few years and then our lead guitarist sadly died in a motorcycle accident don't ride motorcycles they're dangerous and um and that kind of made things fall apart and then everybody moved to bonnie lake
1: so that kills every band
2: and uh, i live in everett it's an hour and a half each way and i would tell them listen if i'm driving three hours we need to at least practice for three hours and they'd start before i get there so we'd play for like an hour and they'd be all tired i'm like Mm. I'm driving three hours to practice for an hour and then the times have changed it's harder to get gigs and and yeah it just kind of fell apart and i was i don't know i I wasn't it was fun it was really awesome in high school i loved it it was a great experience i loved playing i was rhythm guitar
1: and there's some amazing pictures on the website that still someone is still paying (laughs) hosting for (laughs) yes yeah my lead singer
2: (laughs) Um, and most of those pictures are ones I took, because okay. actually the photography was real big for me. Mm-hmm. On my website, owljester.com, I actually have a photography portfolio with a lot of my photography.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of great pictures on there.
2: And I used, have, um, I used to have resumes. So my balloon twisting one has pictures, but also a list of where I perform. I used to have a horticulture resume and a stage resume. And at one point, I decided, you know, nobody cares about my resume. And so I took those down and I put up pictures instead. Mm-hmm. And that's why now, like, my, I've been trying to get selfies of me at all these venues. Yeah. And it's kind yeah. of really cool, because on my stage part on my website, I have pictures of me running Spotlight and stuff at all these really cool gigs.
1: Yeah, and I think that's better than just seeing North Dakota whatever theater.
2: Yeah, cuz like I had the list of the various like work for the union, all the different venues I've worked at. Mm-hmm. And that's cool and all, but in the stagehand business, it's very seldom you'll need a resume. Yeah. It, most of the time it's like, "Well, let's see what you can do." Mhm. You know, it's uh, there's not a lot of people out there that have big resumes. It's more like, "Well, you know, like I I knew a guy, he was on tour with just about every name you can imagine." You know,
1: that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't want to keep you all day because we both got to go out and do some sets in a second. So, how can people get in touch? With you? What's your website? Owljester.com. All right. And while you're on the social medias? Um, I mean, I have. Uh, well, I've got Owl Facebook.
2: Je- <laughs> yeah, I've got a Facebook, and it's. I'm, I think I'm Dr. Owl Jester. Thing is, if you go to OwlJester.com, I believe there's links to even, like, my YouTube, Dr. Owl's Medicine Show. That's easy to find. I'm the only Dr. Owl's Medicine Show on YouTube.
1: That is correct. But I did find that there's a Dr. Owl, which is like a client uh, medical retention software.
2: i haven't seen that i'll have to check on that
1: yes so if if it's asking you to uh, update your medical record yeah that's probably not that's doctor, owl. doctor
2: Owl. dr <laughs> owl yeah but from owljester.com like you know think of an owl with a jester hat mm-hmm. owljester.com you can pretty much get to anything and i have my emails on there and all that perfect is there anything i missed anything else you need to get out boy i don't know um <laughs> I make my own tie-dyes and people always ask me like, wow, well, those are amazing tie-dyes. I've done all my tie dyeing myself. Nice. So, Do you do freelance tie-dye? <laughs> no. I had a friend who did tie-dye workshops every year. And ironically, I, I went there for like 10 years in a row and they're all the same dyes. Oh. All of my tie dyes were made in different years, but they all go together. Oh wow, <laughs> it's really cool! <laughs> like I've got these—I've got a couple of tie-dye lab coats mm-hmm. and pants and shirts that were made all different years, but the colors are the same exact same dyes. It's like it's like a sourdough
1: yeast. It's like oh, this is from eighteen. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so they all go together. <laughs> awesome. So well, thank you for hanging out with us. Yeah,
2: thank you for having me. This has been really awesome.
0: All right, folks, well, that's it for today. Just a quick few plugs. Of course, go to moisturefestival.com org for all things moisture festival you they also have a Facebook page and Instagram and a YouTube that you can sign up for and you can get all the information if you want to volunteer if you want to donate or if you want to fill out the questionnaire to be considered as a performer as well you can do that all on their site if you want to find out more information about Louie and I you can find Louie at louiefox.com that's with two X's yes and
1: you can find Matt at comedystuntshow.com dot com you can also check out the podcast that Matt and I do called the Odd and Offbeat podcast at oddandoffbeat.com or on iTunes, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, all that jazz.
0: If you like weird and unusual news stories, that's where you need to go because the Odd and Offbeat podcast is all things weird. Yes. So check that out. If you like this podcast, you will love our podcast. So be sure to check that out. So we want to thank our guests for today. That was a lot of fun. And And we want to thank all the donors and volunteers and performers that make the Moisture
1: Fest happen as well. Without them, we wouldn't be here talking to them. absolutely
0: so get your little slice of moisture festival at moisturefestival.org and thanks so much for listening folks see you soon thank you for listening to moisture festival podcast and stay moist